Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Domel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Could 2021 be another record-setting year for U.S. pork exports? Maybe, but it won't be easy. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The statewide peach crop is doing very good in quality, quantity, and prices. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from Marshall Cattle. Look beautiful, pastures are good, hay production is great right here in East Texas. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Grain sorghum in parts of the Coastal Bend, South Texas, and Rio Grande Valley is sprouting in the head after recent rains delayed harvest. Scott Fraser, an Oasis County farmer and rancher, explains what that means for sorghum farmers. If you have a few seeds sprout, a lot of times given a few days, those seeds will fall to the ground and you don't harvest them. And then, yeah, you have a little damage and, and maybe you have a little dockage when you go to sell it because there's you know, more damaged kernels in there than normal. And you'll take a little dock for that. It's not extreme. It starts getting up over 10% and you start getting in that, you know, 15, 20% range. Then the amount of damage in the dock is is pretty significant. It could still be used, but it's a significantly lower price or value. Once you get where almost every head out there has sprouted seed hanging in it, and there's a kind of a point of no return where the amount of damage exceeds its value that, that it becomes an insurance claim issue. That was Nueces County farmer and rancher Scott Frazier. Cattle prices this year are higher than last year. Carrie Martin joins us with more. Texas A&M livestock economist Dr. David Anderson says they could be even better, but feed prices have kept them in check. You know, we're, we've been running, for the most part, higher prices than a year ago. Whether we're talking feeder cattle, five to 600-pound calf prices, 400-pound calves, we've been running almost the entire year above a year ago. But, you know, that doesn't mean they're as good as everybody would like. But really, I think feed costs are a big part of that. Anderson says fed cattle prices have also been above last year's level, but you have to consider all of the turmoil that was in the market last year because of the pandemic. I'm Kerry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Export sales continue to benefit pork raisers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. In our previous report, Joe Sheely of the U.S. Meat Export Federation told us exports of U.S. beef are running at a record pace so far this year. But on the pork side, Sheely says although exports do remain high, topping last year's performance won't be easy. Our exports were so enormous in 2020 that we don't see a big jump in 2021, but we think we can maintain and maybe slightly exceed that. If U.S. pork exports this year do exceed last year's, it appears it will have to be done with less demand from China. 
Indications are China's domestic production is recovering from the African swine fever nightmare, so China's not likely to buy as much pork from other countries as it did last year. However, Shealy says increased exports of U.S. pork to markets like Mexico, Central and South America, and Southeast Asia are helping offset the decline in sales to China. Fortunately, of the major pork exporters, the U.S. has been the least China-dependent. Even though we were sending an awful lot of pork to China in 2020 and even in early 2021, a lower share of our pork exports were going to China than was the case from, say, Europe, Canada, Chile, Brazil. And so we feel like certainly this is not an easy situation to deal with as China's demand for imported pork softens, but we feel like the U.S. industry is better positioned to deal with it than our competitors. The U.S. Meat Export Federation reports through the first five months of this year, the volume of U.S. pork sales abroad was down about 1% on a year-to-date basis, but the dollar value of those exports was up by 3%. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Despite winter storm Uri and some pretty weird weather this year, the Texas peach crop is doing well. Tom Nicoletti has an update for us. For today's program, we go to Uvalde, and Dr. Larry Stein is my guest. He is a horticultural specialist uh, in fruits and vegetables with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And Dr. Stein, uh, let's uh, take a look at the peach crop uh, in the various regions of the state and and how uh, they fared uh, during the 2021 season at this point. Let's look at the hill country first. Well, it's been amazingly good, Tom. I mean, we started out with the severe cold in February weren't sure what was going to happen. You know, the low-chill trees were already pushing, so we were worried about that. But the later chill varieties had tight buds, and those buds turned out to be just fine as they bloom normally, set a good crop. And so, yeah, the Hill Country's had an amazingly good crop this year, and they're right now probably in the midst of their high-quality stuff, looking to finish up in the next four to six weeks or so with the crop overall quality and production has been quite good finishing up the harvest in the hill country what about uh, east texas and i would say it's similar in east texas again i mean their crop was good had good production good quality and so they're starting to wind down the season as well Uh, the good thing that we've had in addition to the crop is the timely rains in some areas I mean, they had a lot more rain in East Texas, and so you had to be on top of your spray program. Or you may have had a little scab, brown rot, get in on some of the fruit. But for the most part, uh, to my knowledge, the fruit is very clean. Good thing about the rain is we've got great regrowth on the trees. The other thing is typically the bud set for next year, 2022, is like in June. And so if you have really good growing conditions during that part part of the year, then typically you will be set up for a good crop the next year as well. What about any other regions in the state of Texas that uh, grow peaches? The last region that we could mention is North Texas. North Texas, we have a lot of fruit stands up there. And so, yeah, the peach crop, again, has been good. And uh, so they've been able to keep the stands supplied and people have been happy with the quality of the fruit they're receiving. What about prices in general across the state for peaches for consumers? 
Prices have been good. So when we say good, we're looking at the producer getting a good price for his product and then the consumer getting a great product, quality product for the money they're spending. I would say that was good on both ends of the spectrum. That is Dr. Larry Stein. He's with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service out of Uvalde. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Beaches aren't the only crop looking good in East Texas right now. James Duncan has more. Weather is absolutely outstanding. No other way to say it right now. And how can we beat the coolness of a July? And the hay production has just been wonderful. And hay balers are running everywhere. Cattle really look good. The green grass that they're grazing on is strong. We have some cattle in this area from some of the drought areas of the state of Texas, and they're doing excellent. If they're on a weight gain program, they're really doing good, and the profit is going to be for the man that had the grass. And that's uh, just part of the way that we operate here in this area, and the dry folks have to come to us to get the grazing, and it's working well this year. Market, well, we would like to see it just a little bit stronger, but that'll happen also in due time. Peach trees, they're, well, lightening up a little bit because we're having a great harvest. And all fruit, we have people coming in this area from your metropolitan areas like Houston, Dallas, Austin. They come here to get these good East Texas peaches, and they're really getting them this year. Purple hull peas are just now coming off, so that's better for us also. Watermelon crop is now in full production in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. High stocks of dairy products are weighing on prices. USDA Stephanie Ho joins us with more. There currently are pretty high stocks of dairy products. Production for 2021, we are forecasting lower this month. Production growth continues year over year, so supplies are abundant and product supplies and stocks are high as well, and that's weighing on prices kind of across the board. Mark Jekinowski chairs the World Agricultural Outlook Board. If you look at our balance sheets this month for all of the products, you basically see negatives across the board, so we reduced our price forecast for butter, for non-fat dry milk, and for dry whey, and for cheese for 2021. Carrying into 2022, USDA expects prices for cheese and butter to improve a little bit year over year. But not by the extent that we had been expecting. So our price forecasts for cheese and butter for 2022, we also lowered this month. That was USDA Stephanie Ho and World Agriculture Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekinowski. Some Texas counties are eligible for additional incentives through CRP grasslands. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on that in our next segment. Wet weather causes an increase in the chance of equine vector-borne diseases. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Wet weather has led to an increase in the number of mosquitoes flying around Texas this time of year, and they're not just bothering humans. They could also be increasing the number of equine diseases we see this year. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more. Flood water can lead to a multitude of health concerns, and the increase in mosquitoes may be the most dangerous. The two most common diseases transmitted by mosquitoes in horses are West Nile virus and the eastern and western encephalitis viruses. West Nile is a flavivirus similar to the virus that causes yellow fever in people and was first detected in the United States in 1999. At that time, we had multiple cases across the country affected by West Nile, and the development of a vaccine saved a lot of horses over the last 20 years. I know a lot of people are anti-vaccine, but this is another area that vaccine was very important in preventing infection in horses. West Nile virus is now considered endemic in the United States, meaning the virus is maintained in birds and is here to stay. However, because of this, it is critical to have your horses vaccinated now for West Nile if you have not already done so, especially with the large amount of rain and the fall of the year being the most common time for West Nile infection. Eastern encephalomyelitis, or EEE, is an alpha virus that causes encephalitis or inflammation of the brain. The first case of EEE was diagnosed almost 200 years ago in the United States, and it is also endemic in the population. A vaccine for EEE and Western Equine Encephalomyelitis, or WEE, is also available and is very effective at preventing the disease. The virus cannot be transmitted from horse to horse or horse to humans, but humans can become infected from mosquitoes. So if your horse is not vaccinated for West Nile and Encephalomyelitis, call your veterinarian to get that done immediately. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers and ranchers on the high plains of Texas and in parts of West Texas are now eligible for a higher payment rate through the Conservation Reserve Program Grasslands. That area is now part of the Farm Service Agency's Severe Wind Erosion Dust Bowl Zone. It's one of FSA's National Grassland Priority Zones. Two priority zones were established this year as part of USDA's effort to provide greater incentives to landowners to sign up and to increase the program's conservation and climate benefits. USDA says these priority zones focus on corridors that are important to wildlife. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau explains. We've raised the county minimum rental rate to $15 per acre, and that's going to change the program in over 1,300 counties across the country. We've also created some national grassland priority zones to increase enrollment of grasslands and migratory corridors and environmentally sensitive areas. Counties within the priority zones earn extra ranking points when applying for the competitive CRP grasslands. If selected, landowners in the zones will receive an extra $5 on their rental rate. CRP Grasslands helps landowners protect grasslands, including rangeland and pasture land and certain other lands while maintaining the areas as working grazing land. According to USDA, protecting grasslands contributes positively to the economy of many regions. It provides biodiversity of plant and animal populations and provides carbon sequestration benefits. Landowners can sign up at their local FSA office through August 20th. Additional details on CRP are available on the FSA website. That is fsa.usda.gov. Again, fsa.usda.gov. 
Cotton was trading dramatically lower for much of the day Monday. Soybeans were trading down double digits at midday on Monday. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and the financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Healthy soil is essential to ensure food security and produce more food with less land. Today, farmers are combating erosion and compaction while restoring soil fertility and capturing carbon more than ever. Learn how at the virtual Soil and Water Conservation Society Conference, July 26th through 28th, by visiting swcs.org. This message is from Syngenta, urging you to explore one world connected through conservation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Monday was certainly an interesting day for the commodity markets, with almost everything except for wheat starting the day lower. But things certainly turned around for most commodities. August live cattle ended the day Monday up seven cents to 120.25. October live cattle down 50 cents to 125.10. December live cattle down 20 cents to 131.12. Feeder cattle for August ended Monday up $1.75 to 157.37. September feeder cattle up 55 cents to 159.05. October feeder cattle up 37 cents to 160.85. Box beef was trading lower Monday, choice down $1.76 to $266.18, select down $1.63 to $250.16. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan had a sale in San Saba. Ken, let's talk about the matter at hand. How did the San Saba sale shake out? You bet, Larry. We had a good sell day. Had right at 1,600 head today. Another good uh, quality of offering, I guess, on the calves, yearlings, and the cows we had today. I thought overall demand that remained very, very strong. A lot of activity. I thought the stocker steers, uh, compared to last Thursday, uh, they were fully steady to last week's increases. Last week we had three to five dollar increases, and we saw that Monday, and that was because comparing Monday back to uh, two weeks for the holiday, we saw that same kind of tone. I thought the feeder steers and heifers they sold steady to maybe one to two dollars higher. Had a group of five steers weighed 747 at a dollar. 43 a pound. That's $1,068 some change. Had another group of five steers, weighed $9.37, brought a $1.31. That's a little over $1,227 and some change on those. A lot of good dollars tied up in those cattle. I thought overall the packer cows, very, very active on them. They were two to five higher, had all the packing companies needing cows today. I thought the packer bulls, they were two to four dollars higher too. Pears and bread cows, a lot of good activity on the ones we'd advertised, promoted. I thought overall they're probably 50 to 100, could be in some instances up to $150 higher on uh, those. Overall, very good sale quality of, uh, was good on all the offering too very good demand tell everybody how to contact you, you bet give us a call area code 325-372-5159 keep in mind our female replacement sale next saturday on the 24th of july here at sin saba got over 26 2700 head go to our website jordancal.com you can see the full list and a lot of pictures and everything there larry thank you ken and thank you my texas neighbor for listening to me larry marble and walking the pens on the texas farm bureau radio network good day to you After last week's rally in lean hog prices, we did see a decline on Monday. August lean hogs down $1.17 to $104.47. October lean hogs down $1.37 to $89.37. 
The USDA national average base hog price for Monday was down $2 and a penny to $105.31. Class 3 milk showed some brief strength during spot trading on Monday and ended the day mixed. July Class 3 milk up a penny to 16.69 a hundred weight. October Class 3 milk down 11 cents to 16.68 a hundred weight. Cotton traded dramatically lower for most of the day Monday due to outside influences, primarily the financial and commodity markets. They were trading lower due to concerns about more COVID-19 outbreaks as a result of that new Delta variant. October cotton down 359 points to 87.11. December cotton down 322 points to 86.71. After trading lower for much of the day Monday, corn ended the day even to higher. September corn even at 556. December corn up a quarter to 552 and a quarter. We saw hard red wheat prices trading higher for much of the day on Monday. September hard red wheat up three quarters to 652 and a quarter. December hard red wheat up one to 663. July hard red wheat up five to 617 and a half. Soybeans closed sharply lower on Monday. Soybeans for August down 26 and three quarters to 1428. November soybeans down 19 to 1372 and three quarters. August natural gas up 10 cents to 378. September natural gas up 9 cents to 375. Crude oil Monday plunged more than $4 a barrel and has headed for one of its worst days since March. August crude oil down $5.82 to $65.99 a barrel. September crude oil down $5.56 to $66.05 a barrel. The Dow down 907 points to 33,780. The S&P 500 down 91 points to 4,236. The Nasdaq down 222 points to 14,205. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.